Some things feel familiar, and that's great, like Adam Wainwright winning games. But some things are familiar and are just weird, like the Rays staying in St. Pete. You are locked on MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all the Major League Baseball. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I am an Emmy-nominated television producer who has been a baseball podcaster for, wow, geez, it's been 11, 12 years now, and I'm wrapping up. We're about only a dozen games left to go in my fifth full season here at the Lockdown Podcast Network. You can follow us at Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter or on Instagram. I am your pal Sully. I'm on Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Jace Medical. Power yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing with a personal supply of five antibiotics that can treat 50 or more infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com um let's just go through the first things first a uh, bunch of people got the trivia question and maybe it was an easy one i don't know maybe some of them are gonna be tough some of them are be easy i'm i may have a tougher one later today the question was who is the only number one overall pick in the major league draft who went on to become a world series mvp and it was a recent one with steven strasburg uh, John Murphy Jr. got that one. Corstel got that one. Uh, a few other ones got that. Um, and there you go. Uh, so that's right. Steven Strasburg uh, has had an interesting career. And that's over, basically. I think it is. I don't know. Weren't they going to have a, a a retirement ceremony for him? And then it got there was something weird. I don't know. Nothing, nothing is predictable anymore. Um, but, you know, Steven Strasburg has to be considered a pretty darn good number one overall pick. I mean, you, I mean, there are some people who feel that his career may be a little bit of a uh, um, disappointment because he was you know, supposed to be the next great ace. But, you know, he finished in the top 10 in the Cy Young vote three times. Uh, he played in, uh, let's say, 10 seasons. I mean, I'll count 2010, the half season 2010. Had Tommy John, came back in 2012. Obviously, controversy was held back. and Didn't pitch in 2012 playoffs. But he did have a couple of seasons where he threw 200 or more innings. Uh, he had a tremendous season in 2014 when he led the league in strikeouts. And 2019, he led the league in innings pitched. Now, and they and went on to be the World Series MVP. And it's funny, I remember writing in when I used to contribute stuff to a Bleacher Report. That was around the time that uh, uh, Strasburg was being held back and was not included in the postseason roster in 2012. And when the the absolutely exhausted Nationals pitching staff fell apart against the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, the people like me who felt like, yeah, maybe you should be pitching your best pitcher 
in the postseason. Uh, we we had we had fun with that, and I said that this will hang over Rizzo, the uh, general manager of the Washington Nationals. This will hang over his head until the Nationals win the World Series, and Strasburg contributed to that. And the nanosecond the Washington Nationals won the World Series, and what I think is one of the most underappreciated dramatic turnarounds I've seen in a World Series in a long time in that Game 7 in Houston, and Strasburg was the World Series MVP. I remember thinking, well, you're off the hook. There you go. There you go. But, the, you know, that's a really good, solid career, and I think Strasburg is going to end up in a fraternity of pitchers who were very good, uh, not quite Hall of Fame levels, but certainly those who had good, solid, long careers and moments of elite pitching and had the postseason milestones that they hit. Uh, someone like Ron Guidry would be that. I mean, a lot of pitchers in my youth were exactly that category. Ron Guidry was certainly one. Fernando Valenzuela, whose peak was just, excuse me, whose peak was super high led them to a World Series championship, just wasn't long enough. Oral Hershiser is another great example of someone who had a great peak and had his World Series uh, uh, moments. Uh, Brett Saberhagen, Frankie Sweet Music Viola, the, uh, Dave Smoke Stewart. These are people who were postseason heroes. Their peak, they were aces. Not quite Hall of Famers. I had Jack Morris in that category, uh, but then they put him in the Hall of Fame. Go figure. Um, but, uh, I, I think Strasburg has to be considered one of them, you know, not a hall of famer, but had a terrific peak and had his world series and, uh, championship highlights. And today we saw another one of those pitchers have his great moment in the sun. That's Adam Wainwright and Adam Wainwright actually has a more, um, compelling hall of fame argument than some other people. Um, he came up in 2006. He was, remember, he has had this super long career. Uh, he's been in the league for 18 years. He missed uh, all of 2011 and almost all of 2015 and almost all of 2018. But remember, he was a minor leaguer in the Atlanta Braves organization. And when the Braves and the Cardinals worked out a swap involving J.D. Drew, The one of the players who came over to the Cardinals was indeed Adam Wainwright. That's your dream when you trade a veteran and get young players that you will find in Adam Wainwright, uh, that little nugget of that little flake when you go panning for gold there. Uh, in his first full season, he was used exclusively out of the bullpen 2006 as a setup man for Jason Ezringhausen. And... When Isringhausen was hurt in the postseason, Wainwright became the closer, very famously got uh, the Carlos Beltran on that called third strike to clinch the National Championship Series, went on to clinch the World Series. He had three saves that year and many, many more in the postseason, clinched the World Series. The next year was put into the rotation, immediately became a 200-inning pitcher. Uh, he pitched 200 innings many times. He missed all the 2011 season due to an injury. Cardinals wound up winning that World Series. Um, 
But along the way, he was uh, one, two, three, three times in a uh, three times in a six. Uh, no, four times. I'm sorry, four times in a six year span finished in the top three of the Cy Young vote. And as recently as 2021 was putting together Cy Young and all-star caliber season when the Cardinals went on that great winning streak to get to the wild card game with the game. They ultimately lost in a walk-off to the Los Angeles Dodgers. But uh, today, I mean, look at this is Wainwright's final season and it's not been a pretty season. He's not, he's clearly, he, he clearly doesn't have the goods anymore. And, you know, he's 41. And his ERA is over seven. So this is, you know, the time has come to say goodbye. He had a decent year last year, throwing 191 and a third uh, innings pitched in the ERA of 3.71. He's saying goodbye. And today he got a very big win, a one nothing victory against Peralta and the Milwaukee Brewers. No slouches. And with that, he got his 200th victory. Now, I've said many times on this show, that I find the victory stat, the win-loss stat, does not tell you much. It doesn't. It might be a narrative storytelling stat, but it doesn't really tell you much about the quality of a pitcher. You, know, you could have, if you have great run support, you know, Storm Davis was a 19-game winner in uh, 1989, and he averaged like five and a third innings and had an ERA about 4.5. And we've seen pitchers who have had losing records like Nolan Ryan in 1987 had a losing record while leading the league in, in strikeouts and earned run average. So it doesn't always paint the correct picture. That being said, it's kind of like the Oscar. I know the Oscar doesn't really mean much. Some people are not very good, have won the Oscar. Some brilliant people have never even been nominated. But it's still kind of cool when you see, you know, when I when you, we saw Kwai Kwan win last year, when I saw Jamie Lee Curtis win, or when I see the Coen Brothers win, or whomever it is who's like a really fun victory to see. I like seeing that at the Oscars, and I like seeing someone get to 200 wins. It's a nice round number, and it's tough to get to 200 without – it's a sign of longevity at least. And he pitched very well today. It was not a cheapo win. That was a legit win. And, you know, it's, it's, it's the, it's the last, it's, you know, with only about a dozen games left, it's clearly going to be the last fun highlight of this Cardinal season, which has been an absolute, absolute disaster. And with this, you know, Wainwright's gone. Last year, you saw the bid farewell to Molina and to Pujols in the postseason when they stunningly lost to the Philadelphia Phillies, I really thought the I thought the uh, Cardinals were actually going to go to the World Series. And we went into this year, and it looked like the Cardinals were the best team. And not only were they not the best team in the National League Central, but they are going to finish dead last, which is unbelievable. Going into the season, I felt like they were the only team that looked like they were even trying, and they're going to finish dead last. They're going to avoid – They will unless they absolutely go – take you know the gas pipe the last week, they're probably going to avoid 90 losses. But it tells you a little something about this division. You know, that there's – you know, there's no great team in this. Milwaukee's a fine team. It's hardly a great team. There's no horrible team. But now you got to ask yourself, what are these Cardinals that Mazalek has put together, that Marmo's now the manager? 
you know, they wanted that great winning streak at the end of 2022 or 2021 and lost the wild card game to Los Angeles. Last year they got, you know, they lost both games to Philadelphia. Who are they now? What is this team? They are not, you know, there's no more links to the championships. And right now they are what the team of Arenado and Goldschmidt, but that hasn't really added to much. This is a team that has traded away many super talented players and trying to patch together a team to win right away. They're, hey, it's a winnable division. Let's put let's put some superstars on this team. And, you know, Arenado hasn't had a bad year. Goldschmidt was the MVP last year. So obviously they're talented, but they're not winning with this bunch. And do you know who would look really good on this Cardinal team right now? Randy Arozarena, Sandy Alcantara, and Zach Gallen, all three players who this management has traded away recently. So, you know, yeah, you have the fun Jordan Walkers and the Lars Nootbars, but, you know, they, they did trade away some of their pieces. But this is a Cardinal team that has had some form of an identity that's been kind of clear since 2000. When they made the postseason in 2000, this is going back to the Tony La Russa days, and then you had the emergence of Albert Pujols around 2001, and that stretched all the way through the mid, you know, the early 2010s. And by then, the Cardinals were a regular participant in the postseason, making the postseason in 2009, 2011, winning the World Series, 2012, 2013, winning the pennant, 2014, 2015. And then uh, you had the uh, 2019, they made to the League Championship Series. Uh, 2020, they were in there. 2020, I mean, like all these years, the Cardinals are just a regular participant in the postseason. And now we've got Bupkis. And what is this team going to be? And they don't look like a team that's ready to contend anytime soon. And it's funny, we all thought Milwaukee may be tearing this team apart, but it was St. Louis was torn apart. And, you know, the Cubs and the Reds are competitive. And the Pirates have a ton of talent. They haven't quite pieced it together yet. Should the Cardinals do a complete teardown? Should they do a complete rebuild right now? I mean, it seems ridiculous in a, in a division that doesn't have an absolute clear runaway. but. That may be what we have to deal with right now with St. Louis. Either way, saying goodbye to Adam Wainwright is right now the thing to do. He is the link to a really terrific era in Cardinals history. And 200 wins, all right, it's not what it used to mean. Wins aren't what they used to mean either. But there's not been much else to cheer for with this year with the St. Louis Cardinals. And a great era is coming to an end. So... Who knows? Maybe Wainwright will make it to the Hall of Fame. Maybe not. But one thing's for certain. He's given Cardinal fans a lot of memories, including the game tonight. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach is wasting the time of both the buyer and seller at every stage, especially when sellers are using shallow and outdated data. Your organization can overcome these challenges with technology that translate the comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights. That's what we're talking about with LinkedIn Sales Solution. 
These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to better outcomes like more pipeline, higher win rates, and larger deals. We call this deep sales, and we've built the first deep sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash locked on. That's linkedin.com slash locked on for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash locked on to get started. Uh, it was every time I think I have the American League West figured out, something weird happens. It looked like for a while the Astros were running away with it. Then suddenly the Mariners were on top. Then the Rangers absolutely collapsed, looking terrible. And then they started, you know, generating their winning streak back. I don't understand what's happening. And there's only about a dozen or so games left. So nothing seems to make any sense. The Texas Rangers have dropped their last four games, including a come-from-behind win by the Red Sox, who are just playing like this just extended spring training right now, had a come-from-behind victory, which sent the Rangers to their fourth straight loss, which is just putting them basically at the cusp of the wild card, even though they're only uh, a game back in the loss column of the first place in the in the West. Well, the Mariners have that wonderful, wonderful experience of looking up and seeing they're playing Oakland. And yes, I know you're not supposed to circle the calendar. And yes, I know the Rays were swept by the A's early this year. But do you know what? Those A's are gone. Uh, the Mariners, after the Padres absolutely clobbered the A's, the Mariners defeated them 5 nothing. Wu pitched great. Uh, Sears actually played, played well for uh, the A's, but it was, uh, it was Seattle's night. But then it looked like all that was going to be moot. The Houston Astros were going to beat the Baltimore Orioles. And they, the, you know, Abreu got a big home run. They took a 7-5 to five lead into the eighth inning. And then suddenly the Orioles went on a big-time rally. And it was a three-run home run by Cedric Mullins that put the Orioles up for good. And with that loss, of which was an absolute bullpen collapse, the Astros are not a good home team. They're 38 and 38 at home. I don't understand it. You know, they should be, they should be a 100-win team. And right now, they're, they're an 84-win team. And they're probably going to win 90 games. But wait a minute, they have, they have a dozen games left. So, you know, if they play worse than 500 ball, they're going to not reach 90. I don't understand how anything works anymore. I don't. And with that, it was another loss. The Astros have a losing record in their last 10 games. And with the Seattle victory and Texas's loss, one game in the loss column separates Houston, Seattle, and Texas at this particular time. It's difficult to find a favorite in the American League. Those those three teams in the West are playing like the parabolic flight, just going up and down and up and down. The Minnesota Twins, uh, who have split their last 10 games, you know, they're playing okay, but they're not beat. They certainly don't look like world beaters right now. And the Rays have played well, winning seven of the last 10, but they've dropped their last two. Which brings me to the Baltimore Orioles. 
And I've had a lot of people who are Oriole fans who have gotten on me throughout this year thinking I have something against them. I have nothing against them. Uh, I did think they needed to make a bigger splash during the trade deadline because they had a ton of great trade chips and there were pieces that were available. Uh, I may have been not being a believer right, you know, right from the start and leaning a little more against for Tampa Bay, leaning more for Houston, leaning more against, you know, for Seattle. I might be becoming a Baltimore believer by how they played against Tampa Bay, by how they're playing against Houston, that they are currently at 94 wins. And they're getting good pitching today, notwithstanding. They're getting unbelievably great hitting. And their bullpen is kind of sort of taxed right now, but everybody's bullpen is kind of sort of taxed right now. So I guess what I'm saying is, Oriole fans have been getting on me for a while, acting like I've been disrespectful to their team. Right now, as of this recording, with only a couple weeks left, I mean, it's you're going to be hearing this on the 19th day of September. I mean, we're on the verge of being in late September. Right now, I got to pick the Orioles by the way they're playing and by the way they're rising to the occasion against Tampa Bay, against the Houston Astros. I got to say, you know, and, you know, Mullins got the big hit. And even though their bullpen's a little bit of a mess right now, they got the outs when they needed them. And boom, another big home run, 94 wins, you know, put being a thorn in the side of the Houston Astros. And as of this recording, their magic number to clinch the American League East is 10. Any combination of Orioles victories and Tampa Bay losses with, what, 11 games to go. If Tampa Bay, I mean, the Orioles, they you know, if, if they go on a winning streak right now, then it's all but done. If they just play well, it's all but done. You know, as of this recording, they have a two-and-a-half game lead, three in the loss column over the uh, Tampa Bay Rays. That's a lot of games to make up in such a short period of time. So, Oriole fans, if you think I've been disrespectful to your team, mea culpa. Okay, let's talk a little bit about our friends at Jace Medical. Modern medical care and treatment are important, but our global supply chains, they're fragile. Things like pandemics, natural disasters, and foreign aid, they may cut you off from the treatment that you need. Jace Medical is your solution. And guess what? It can be done online, all right? People may be in situations where they're cut off from the doctors, they're cut off from the medication they need, and they can't get appointments for days. Well, with all the barriers in front of you, Jace Medical creates your solutions. Go online, fill out a form, then you can get prescription life-saving medication delivered right to your door. The Jace case gives you peace of mind so that you're not just hoping that you have access to the medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure you have the medication in hand. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical, plus an additional $20 off by using code LOCKEDON at checkout on jacemedical.com. 
That's J-A-S-E medical.com. Have you ever had a friend who was going into a relationship or a business decision or a marriage and you see they're making the same mistakes that they've made in the past um, and you want to do something, you want to say, what are you, why are you doing this? Don't, don't you realize this is the mistake you made before? This doesn't change anything. This doesn't solve anything. My dad, may rest in peace, gave me some wonderful pieces of advice in growing up and, and learning and being an adult. And one of them was, you don't solve a problem by creating a problem. And another sort of mindset to have is, if there is a problem and an issue of something that needs to be solved, and you've boiled it down to one specific thing that is causing the trouble, don't worry about the things around it. Fix the specific thing that's causing the trouble. And that is a lesson. Those are two lessons that the Tampa Bay Rays seem to not understand. Now, we all know that the Rays have to do something about their stadium. Their stadium was uh, was obsolete before they played a single game. The stadium was built in the 90s. Tropicana Field was originally called the Suncoast Dome, was built in the mid-80s to attract a baseball team to move to the Tampa Bay area. Originally, the Chicago White Sox were linked to going there. Other teams, the Rangers, the Twins, the Giants, were all rumored. I think even the Mariners at one point, uh, maybe even the Rangers, were all rumored it's to go to Tampa Bay. That stadium sat there empty for the most part, waiting for a team to show up. The uh, Lightning, the NHL team, played there for a little bit when they called it the Thunderdome. Uh, they didn't call it the Lightning Dome. I understand Thunderdome from Mad Max, which is bear with me. But the Rays, or they're called the Devil Rays initially, were put into that stadium in 1998. And from the beginning, it was clear that the stadium wasn't going to work. It was kind of ugly. It was an eyesore, all those weird things. But beyond the aesthetics of it, the location in St. Petersburg, away from Tampa Bay, seemed like a wrong decision, seemed like the worst place to put the team, and seemed like it was a decision that would have been made in the 1980s before we learned the lesson of Camden Yards and saw where to put a team and how that could become a tremendous success. And we have seen that while Rays fans get maligned because the attendance in the Tropicana has been so terrible, they get very good television ratings. They do have a following. And we've seen how Tampa Bay fans have supported the Tampa Bay Lightning, a team that has a that plays in Tampa as opposed to being way out in St. Petersburg. They support the Lightning, the hockey team. But it seems like the place where they play is a big old pain in the buttocks. And so it appeared to me as an outsider that the issue with the Rays is not the quality of the team. They've put a consistently good product on the field. Isn't the commitment from the ownership. Yes, they've traded players away, but they've also made effort to keep some players. And it isn't the quality of the play on the field. It isn't even the size of the fan base. 
we've seen that there is a fan base and certainly it's shown from the television ratings and everything. The problem is the location. And I've heard whether they're going to move to Ybor City or they probably should move to downtown Tampa, maybe move into Orlando to keep them in Central Florida, but there's places to play there. But either way, for literally decades, certainly since 20, since uh, 2008, when the Rays exploded and became a pennant winner and yet still had trouble filling out the joint, what did we hear over and over and over again? That the problem was the location of the stadium. Which brings us to today's announcement. And this is from uh, the AP and also from the Tampa Times. The Rays are expected to make an announcement on Tuesday. It's today that they are completing a deal to build a new stadium. And the new stadium would be a redevelopment of a giant area. They're going to have uh, new places to live, new apartment buildings, new places of business, and they're going to have a new stadium with a fixed dome roof, artificial turf, seat about 30,000. This is according to the article from the Tampa Bay, from, uh, the Tampa Bay Times. And they've worked out a deal. And they will probably move into their new home after the 2027 uh, season, you know, fulfilling the 30-year lease at Tampa Bay. And the Rays look like they're going to come up with a solution. With the A's probably moving to Las Vegas, as disastrous as this may be, and the Rays coming up with a solution for their stadium to keep them in Central Florida. Now baseball will be set up to set up an expansion, probably by two teams, Nashville is almost positive to get one. And there's some other markets, Montreal, Portland, Austin, Albuquerque, Charlotte. There's a bunch of other places. Okay. This should be a moment to rejoice. This should be a moment to say, hooray, we're going to see the end of the trap and finally give the Rays a chance. I left out one very important detail in that news conference, in that press release which was the stadium they're building is going to be next to the trot. They're doing that thing where they build a stadium, kind of like they did that in Texas. They did that with Chicago. They did it with Philadelphia. They did it with Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. All these places where they build a new park, that was City Field and Yankee Stadium, that they're not moving. They're just building next to it. That's right. Their solution of fixing the stadium issue in St. Petersburg is to, drumroll please, build it in St. Petersburg. I don't care how many apartment buildings you're going to build around. I don't care how many restaurants, how many uh, uh, Fleming steaks or cheesecake factories you're going to put around the stadium. The point of what we've been what I've been hearing for literally decades has been the stadium doesn't work because it's in St. Petersburg. It should be in Tampa. And so what are you doing? You're building it right next to it. Are you even trying to solve the problem? You're fixing all the, the dressing around the cake, but it's the cake that doesn't work.
The whole problem for all for years and years and years is, well, they picked the wrong place to build it. Well, how are we going to solve it? Build right next to it. I don't understand what's happening. This doesn't make any sense at all. And I want the raise to work. Now, look, at I understand emotionally. I don't want the A's to move. I get that the we've been finding this out for literally decades. That the Bay Area may not be big enough to support two major league baseball teams. And it would break my heart to see the A's to leave. But it makes, you know, if they move to Portland or if they move to Nashville, that would make a hell of a lot more sense than them moving to Las Vegas. This, but I want to see, you know, but it's probably going to have to happen that they move. And that will, in at least for the time being, solve the issue with the A's. I don't understand what this solves. I don't. I don't understand what this what this brings about. This team, we've been told over and over again, you can't survive with a stadium in St. Petersburg, so let's do it again. That's your friend who is getting married in a situation where you know before they walk down the aisle, you shouldn't be marrying this person. You know this doesn't work. We have years, decades of showing this doesn't work. And baseball is about to go into the first expansion of the 21st century. This is the longest we've gone without an expansion since the first one in 1961 and 1962. This is a very important expansion. They got to get the teams right. They're very clearly going to move to Nashville or expand into Nashville. But whichever one it was, the next one, they're going to have to figure it out. Now, look, at I think the A's, if they have to move, move to Nashville, Portland. Um, and I do think baseball can survive in Central Florida. I've made that point. I don't understand what's happening here. Why would you build next to the problem? My father said those words. You don't solve a problem by creating a problem. And the Rays are putting ourselves in a situation where we're going to look up in 10 years and we're going to see that the A's can't draw flies in Las Vegas and the Rays are still playing in St. Petersburg. Where is the solution here? What am I missing? So let me know what I'm missing at, um, at Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter and on Instagram. Um, by the way, here's a trivia question for you. Uh, again, a World Series based one. Two members, two current members of the Baseball Hall of Fame have hit a walk-off hit to clinch the World Series. A World Series ending walk-off hit has happened from two current members of the Baseball Hall of Fame. And I'll give you a hint, it wasn't Steven Strasburg. So go look that up. That is your trivia question for today. There's your homework. Go figure it out. Uh, go to Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter and Instagram. I'm your pal, Sully. I'm at Sully Base One Twitter, Sully Base One Podcast on Instagram. Seeing that nothing changes is good in St. Louis, but not so good in Tampa Bay. This has been Locked On MLB for the 19th day of September 2023. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.